Build in, lock in, strap in. It's the Fantasy Domination Podcast! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fantasy Domination Podcast. I am the coach, and I'm here with a man who's never stayed sober long enough to see the 4th of July fireworks, my friend Rusty. Uh, good evening, coach, and a very happy 4th of July to you. Uh, I, 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 as always, I am so honored to be co-hosting this podcast with a man like yourself, who is a 35 and three-quarter time fantasy champion, and that's just in Dynasty IDP only leagues, ladies and gentlemen. That's the kind of bona fides, that's the kind of credentials of the man that we are speaking to right now. How are you doing tonight, coach? And happy 4th of July to you. Happy Fourth of July to you too, Rusty. I am good. You know, we're we're sliding as we get ready to record this. We are sliding into the long weekend. Uh, fireworks, beer, burgers. It's going to be you know, I mean, pretty standard fare around here. But uh, of course, and, looking and, forward and to it. Also, a very happy Fourth of July to all of our fellow Americans. Well, at least certain parts of America, the United States of America, as it were. But how are you tonight, Coach? I'm good. I'm good, and I'm I'm ready to go. We're gonna we're gonna do the mailbag tonight, so we're oh, gonna be talking to some of our listeners who have sent in their questions. But before we get started on that frivolity, that hilarity, let's start on a little bit of a somber note here. Because hmm. hmm. I want to say, today the news came down that the football world lost Jared Lorenzen. Now, Bless you probably soul. know his name. You probably don't know if he ever played in the NFL, and the fact is he only threw eight passes for 28 yards, but he was that kind of John Daly figure in the NFL. He was literally larger than life. Mm. Um, you know, John Daly, Butterbean, kind of more made him more of a freak show as a talent, but, I mean, that guy in college, he could sling it. And, you know, when he went into various, you know, secondary leagues, arena and whatnot, um, you know, and then you see today, Passed away at the age of 38, which is, I mean, for anybody, that's it's, that's way too soon. It's very sad. Except maybe the enemies of America. They can go well before 38. Exactly. We're getting patriotic today. But damn it, we should be patriotic every day. That's right. We shouldn't just be patriotic on a 4th of July. It, God bless America, most of it. And God bless Jared Lorenzen. Thanks mm. for all the, the memories you gave us, buddy. Yes, that is a very sad, tragic day. You never like to see a, a young man die at that age. Um, I know he had the health issues and whatnot, but still, um, gone too soon. Uh, and and God bless him and rest his soul. And our thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to the, the Lorenzen family and all his friends as well. All right, so somber note aside, let's dive into the mailbag. All right. Folks, thank you for sending us in your questions. We got a great list today. We're kind of looking at structural pieces this, you know, in this mailbag because again, we're in that period of time where people are talking about, oh, that sixth round wide receiver really looked good against that seventh round running or uh, quarterback. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care until training camp gets here because that is when the pros are separated from the guys who are going back home to sell insurance. Or so, real estate. I see some of those guys estate. out there with the real estate too, and they're they're the absolute worst, coach. I saw one guy used to be a pro player in my area, and he talked about you know his team and whatnot. And 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 I hate real estate lo- agents. I also hate lawyers, but real estate lawyers, whatever. Uh, I but uh, they're they're so scumbags. 
coach. I don't know what your experience is with them, but I'm tired of your stupid little marketing campaigns and all the things like, yes, we know, we get it. You were on a professional sports team, so you put team in your name of your real estate practice. We don't care, guy who never made it past a training camp, but you say you were in the NFL. Anyway, sorry, that's a pet peeve. It's nothing to do with the the mailbag. That's okay. A little mini Rusty's rant for you tonight on the 4th of July. I love a little Rusty's rant. I'm just going to tag on. I love anybody who describes themselves as the quarterback of the best real estate team in Western Pennsylvania. Oh. All right. So let's dive Dying in here. Dying of fire. So we're going to pull out our first Our first email is from Vinny in Woodbridge, Ontario. And Vinny writes, Ontario. pretty short and concise here, when should I start to tear down and rebuild my dynasty team? First of all, I've never heard of Ontario before. Uh, where, what, what state is that? Is that the, the, you? You're more learned about geography than I am, Coach. Uh, where do I find this place? Is that the place where there's communists or something? Um, that would be to the north, and yes, they might be communists. Ah, uh, all but right. Poli- at the worst, they're polite communists. That's true. Did he include uh, sorry for this question? At any time, you should be sorry, Vinny Woodbridge. But anyway, we will answer it for you uh, because this is actually a pretty decent question. Uh, I will start. So, when should you start to tear down and rebuild? Uh, chances are, if you're asking the question, it might be too late. So, what I like, what I like to say, we can maybe start our little banter from here, Coach. Is you always want to start one year early. You don't want to be the guy who starts the rebuild one year late because by then it's too late and you've got nothing to 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 use for that rebuild. So I always like to I I'm a fan of blowing it up early and often uh I would I don't because if you're asking if you have to rebuild, guess what Vinny? It's too late. You should have started already. That's right. And here's what I'm going to tell you, this little tip. Take take a player that you're looking at you know, you could move. I'm gonna, all right, specific example, last offseason, I got off the Gronk train. Love the guy, but I knew it was time to get out before he, you know, before he completely fell apart. So here's what you got to do. Take that guy who's on your roster, look at him and say, I think I'm going to trade this guy, and then ask yourself, how does that feel? If it feels like it makes sense, but it kind of hurts, then it's time. Because you've still got that little bit of emotional attachment, but if you let emotion override logic... You're going to hold on to those guys too long, and then that guy's going to go from being a 1,000-yard player to a 700-yard player to not worth anything. So you Thank want to you. sell when he's just just at the, you know, at the, the precipice and going to start falling off. Thank you, Coach. And that leads into something that I want, that, a, a piece of free advice that I will give to everybody listening to the Fantasy Domination Podcast. Don't be that guy. Don't be like the guy, the tacos which are in half of my freaking leagues who fall in love with a player and think and overvalue him because of it. Oh, this guy's amazing. I'm going to buy his freaking jersey. He's amazing. I will never trade him for anything. Guess what? You got to sell him when the time is right. Stop falling in love with guys. Stop overvaluing them and learn to get the most proper value out of them or else you're going to be that guy who's, who's in a constant rebuilding phase and you never actually finish the rebuild because you always perpetually suck. So you've got to take a step back. You've got to not have that emotion that co- that the coach was talking about. You got to step back and you got to and take a look at the value of the player and see: is it time to sell? Yes, I love uh, Gronk. I love you so much. You're one of the greatest tight ends of all time. But you got to get off the Gronk train before the train stops. That's right. But here's another. Here's one little extra tip. I'm just going to add on because this has happened to me personally. Um, a couple of years ago, traded away Julio Jones because I was. 
you know what? My team had peaked. We'd won the title. I needed to take a year to kind of reset. And I said, all right, I'm going to trade Julio Jones. Got a great package back for him. You know, exactly what I wanted to start that retooling process. Mm-hmm. My team in the following year did better than I expected. Suddenly I'm back in contention. Julio Jones is on the trade block. So what did I do? I brought him back at about, oh, I don't know, 25 cents on the dollar for what I got for him when I traded him away. So just want to say that caveat, if things go well with your rebuild, don't be afraid to try and buy low and bring some of those veterans back is that, you know, bring them in. And then if you let them go in the off season, cause you're sticking to youth, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. And that was, I'm in that league with you and I would, that just broke my heart to see that. Uh, but again, you got to find that guy in your league. You don't want to be that guy, but you want to find that guy because that's the guy who's going to help you <laughs> unknowingly perhaps uh, win some of those fantasy titles because they're the guy that's not going to be paying attention. Yeah. Remember the, uh, that old that old joke, you know, if you look around the room and you can't figure out who the idiot is, you're the idiot. Mm-hmm. All right. So back into the mailbag, we got a lady, lady fan writing us Ooh, here. I like Candace it. in Marfa, Texas, home of the famous Marfa Lights. When is it too early in the offseason to make trades? If I can steal a player, is it worth taking the risk of training camp injuries or offseason incidents? Hmm. I like this question. It, to me, it's a balancing act. And I'm all about value, coach. And you know that. If it, but I think you almost answer yourself with your, with your question. You almost answer your own question with your own question, uh, Candace. In Marfa, Texas, if you could st- if you could steal a player for uh, less for uh, and you could get great value on them, then you must weigh the the risks of that training camp injury and other offseason incidents and suspensions and knuckleheading and and losing their job or trades or whatever. But if you can get tremendous value because some taco or some idiot is not paying attention, then you have to try. I personally do not always look for deals, but if something falls in my lap. And if it were now, if someone says, I'm going to give you Odell Beckham Jr. for a third-round draft pick, yes, of course. I take that all the time. Or some uh, some weird play of note because they're scared about what he's going to do in Cleveland. I would jump on that all day long. Typically, though, most of, you know, most of the smart people are going to wait. But I, 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 if, I, if someone offered me a deal now and it was the same deal in training camp, I would wait till training camp because then all the variables are out of play. But if someone offers me a ridiculous offer right now, I would take it, weighing the risks versus the reward. I'm a high-risk guy, coach. <laughs> you know from my marriage history that I will take a lot of unnecessary risks because the payoff is that much sweeter. That championship upside is what I'm looking for. And if I can get that now, I will get that now, especially if I'm giving back pennies on the dollar. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, one thing you can kind of play into is after the season, some people are still playing out of emotion. You know, they're disappointed with a guy who underperformed that year. And maybe you can you can snake him for, uh, you know, half the value that you would pay when he, you know, you're going into training camp. Go find the Cam Newton owner right now. Yep, absolutely. Because you know what? And Cam might start the season slow. We don't know. But there's a guy right now who's looking undervalued and probably has disappointed people. And he's going to be available. And the thing is, if you make that move and something does happen, it is going to hurt. I'll go back to 2001. After a really exciting, intriguing rookie season, I managed to pick up Jamal Lewis in a trade. I I paid, but I thought I was getting a guy who was going to step right in as my wide or my RB one. And then I think it was within a week of me pulling off a deal, and this was closer to training camp, so it wasn't off season. 
within a week of me pulling off the deal, boom, knee injury, he's out for the year. So I had to suck it up, put him on IR, deal with that. But he came back next three years, over 1,000 yards each year, good TD numbers. He had a good run after that. You know, in the long term, I got my value. So, you know, it's a case of, especially if you're looking at a, a top player, the younger you can get so that you know you've got more runway ahead of you, that's great. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be grabbing a 35-year-old guy right now unless the price is just ridiculously good. Because if that guy gets hurt, well, there's, there's no future. Because that's, I mean, anybody in the NFL... You know, when you get to 30, 32, 33, 31, I guess I should have put in there as well. You know, you're almost looking at them on a year to year basis outside of quarterback. You know, if you've got a wide receiver, let's let's take Julio Jones. Every year from now on, you've got to look at Julio Jones from a dynasty perspective as a one one year player. And if he's worth bringing back for another year, that's great. But you're always looking at that one year. In contrast, take a guy like a Saquon Barkley. You're looking at him for five years. You know, if you're looking at a top wide receiver, you might be looking at 10 years. Um, You know, we'll just wait and find out with these guys. But it's what that long term expectation is and whether it's worth putting in the the value now. Yeah. And I have a saying where I come from. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. and, And when you risk it, things are going to happen. You will end up with Lee Evans when he thought it was he was in his every other year breakout year and he didn't have that breakout year in his every other year and you gave up too much for him. You know what? It's going to happen. But you can't if you don't make those moves, you will never make the championship upside moves. And yes, it's going to hurt when you when you screw up. I have screwed up many trades, but it is what it is. You 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 won't if you play it safe, you'll make the playoffs. But if you want to win a title, you're going to have to take some chances, I think. And as the old expression goes, when you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. So go get your 52 and deal with the rest later. All right, question number three coming out of the mailbag. We're talking to another rebuilder here. And I'll be honest, as much as I love winning, rebuilding is almost as much fun. That sort of tearing it down, clearing it, pulling in assets, then building it back up. Partially because it's just a fun you know, mental challenge. And second, it makes it so much more satisfying to rub your opponent's faces in it. Mm. So let's look at somebody who wants to do some face rubbing. Stanislav in Sacramento asks, if my team is rebuilding, should I risk trying to buy lowish on guys like Tyreek Hill or Kareem Hunt? You know, so he's wanting to know the screw ups, the suspension cases, the guys who are, you know, one dumb night out at a bar away from missing the rest of the season. Should he be investing in those guys if he can get them cheap? Tyreek. I think we go to the lottery ticket argument here, don't we? Yeah, we do. But at the same time, what kind of lottery odds are you playing? To me, if you if I'm rebuilding, I will look at these high risk guys because and look at the return and look at the odds. Right, you everything's in a vacuum. This is why I'm so the short answer, and I'm going to explain it. The short answer is Kareem Hunt, yes. Tyreek Hill, no. That's what that's going to be. That is going to be Rusty's take on this, and I'll explain why. Kareem Hunt, look at the different things that these guys have done, uh, and it's it, allegedly, uh, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly to cover our lawyer ourselves. wanted me to say allegedly. Our lawyer doesn't work on July Fourth. Our lawyer barely works, uh, and also I don't like lawyers. Uh, I'm looking at what these guys have allegedly done, and I get a bad vibe on Tyreek Hill. Um, Kareem Hunt, 
Tyreek both knuckleheads. I just I have a feeling Kareem Hunt is the better risk than Tyreek Hill. I think we still don't know everything about what Tyreek Hill allegedly did. When there's kids involved, though, I know that the I know after what happened with Adrian Peterson, and that was just a discipline case. The league came down hard on him. Uh, I also know they came down hard on Ray Rice too, uh, but he was also getting towards the end of his productive years as well. So there's that's part of it. These guys are still young, uh, but I just I'm not uh, something doesn't feel right about Tyreek Hill to me. And unless I'm getting Unless I'm getting, I'm paying like a penny on the dollar. I may stay away from Tyreek Hill. I may invest a little bit more in Cream Hunt. So here's the thing. The high-risk guys are great. And I go back to risk it to get the biscuit coach. If I'm rebuilding and I get a and I get somebody who is just scared to death. Of like, And it, I saw it happen in one of my leagues with Ezekiel Elliott a couple years ago. And then all of a sudden a guy got Zeke Elliott for pennies on the dollar. Guess what? He was contending for the title. So you got to sometimes make these kind of moves. And if the return is right... I absolutely would do it. Just look at each situation individually. Why are they so? Why is the value so low? Is this something they can recover from? I like Hunt. I'm a little worried about Tyreek Hill. I I I think I agree with your analysis perfectly. I think the other thing to point out is, you know, Kareem Hunt is coming off of a suspension. Tyreek Hill may be going into a suspension at we some know. point. We so. know, yeah, exactly. We know how long Kareem Hunt's suspension is going to be. We know when he's coming back. We have no clue on Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, what I would say, too, is with Kareem Hunt, if you were going to hold on to if you are going to look to grab him, pick him up, draft him, buy, you know, trade for him, whatever, you're playing him for next year. It's not about 2019 with that guy because he's going to miss half the season. Nick Chubb is is the starter there, and I, I love Nick Chubb. I, you know, he's... He's one of the guys I'm most excited to see if for you know within that Cleveland offense. Kareem Hunt might come in at the end of the season and mix things up a little bit, give Chubb a break, but I think it's really going to be more about proving himself so that some team will take a bigger chance on him the following year. Hmm. And the other thing too is let let's just be honest, what are your personal ethics like? Are do you want to have a, you know, a an alleged child abuser? Alleged. Do you want to have, you know, I mean, take a guy like Joe Mixon, you know, do you want to have a guy who on videotape just dropped a girl? You know, is that something you're comfortable with? Some people are, some people aren't. So that's really a personal, you know, a personal choice. But I'm guessing that, uh, you know, if you're writing in Stanislav, you're okay with that. So make your call. But yeah, buy low on guys who are coming off of issues and walk away from guys who are going into issues. Great advice. So. Uh, with that, you know, look, looking at the troubled guys, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to reset. We're going to go back to the mailbag, pull out a couple more, and we'll be back in a, in a minute to finish off this uh, first mailbag episode of the Fantasy Domination Podcast. And we are back with part two of this week's Fantasy Domination Podcast. I'm the coach. Rusty's here with me. And, and we are we are ready to talk about one of those all one of those evergreen topics in fantasy football, and that is the third year wide receiver. Hmm. Both in NFL and in fantasy. It's that idea that it takes wide wide receivers for some reason three years to figure out how to run and catch the ball. So who which one of our wonderful listeners is asking us about that, coach? And what's their oh, question? That. All right, well, I was going to get to the question in a second. Ah. So give, give, me, give me a moment here because I want to look back last year. I want to give, 
I want to give reference here. I want to give. I want to frame the conversation. Ooh. So last year's third third year wide receiver class featured such luminaries as Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, which is just proof that sometimes even third year wide receivers don't get it. But we also saw guys like Will Fuller break through. Um, Sterling Shepard, you know, we saw him really shine last year. Michael Thomas was a star from day one. Tyler Boyd came through. So it is kind of that, you know, there is some truth to that. Third year is when is when those wide receivers, if they're going to take that step, that's when it happens. So with that in mind, we're going to talk. take the question from Gina in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, who asks, is this the greatest collection of third-year wide receivers who have done some things but could break out huge in 2019? And here's the list she gave us. And I got to say, I think Gina's on to something here. So we got Corey Davis, Mike Williams, Curtis Samuel, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, David Moore, D.D. Westbrook, and just for, you know, for, for giggles, John Ross gets thrown in there. <laughs> The only oh guy in, that I can remember to finish with a negative fantasy score for a season. Yeah. Uh, I like, so, yeah, I like some of these names. I don't like some of these names either, but it's, it's definitely, there's, there's a lot of names on there more, more than I would have expected. And in fact, if you go back and look at the 2017 draft class as a whole, I think now that we're a couple years out and able to look back on it, this is, a very this is good easily, class one of the best draft classes that we have ever seen yeah it was a good class at the time and it may have gotten better uh that was a, a fairly amazing class that we got out of that year like we uh, just listed off the wide receivers there tight ends included george kittle evan engram oj howard uh running backs alvin kamara christian mccaffrey uh <laughs> tara cohen now we're looking at wide rec- i'm looking at receiving yards so they're a little out of order uh kareem hunt joe mixon uh, Leonard Fournette, James Connor was in there. Dalvin Cook, who is going to be interesting for this season. Chris Carson, you know, who's a thousand yard guy. That was an amazingly talented pool of, of players, but I think it just at the time didn't have that like Saquon Barkley star quality, which is you know, which is why a lot of these guys are kind of okay, and we'll figure out where they land, and they've landed well. So, so. such a deep class, coach. Such a deep class. So let's let's kind of take these guys. And what do you want to do? Do you want me to go through these one at a time and give your your yay or nay on whether he's a third year breakout guy? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right, from the terminally boring Tennessee Titans, Corey Davis. If I, I had like... if I had any faith in Marcus Mariota to be a serviceable NFL quarterback, because I have liked Corey Davis from day one, coach. Uh, I've been on the Corey Davis bandwagon. The problem is his quarterback, and you see it. You see it every so often. Just strokes of brilliance, those brilliant games where he's in 130 yards plus, and then Marcus Mariota just can't play quarterback, and then he just brings him down. I am on the Corey Davis train. I just, I am so worried about Marcus Mariota. I think, I mean, if he's going to do it, this is the year. But we do have seen those flashes, so we know Corey Davis is capable. The real question is not what you think of Corey Davis. What do you think about Marcus Mariota? I, I think you're right there. And then I also wonder what their balance is with Derrick Henry getting more touches. Are they going to lean more run heavy? What's A.J. Brown going to do? I can see Corey Davis being a better wide receiver, but is he a guy who could jump to that 1,210? Like, if we want to say breakout, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns is a good threshold, right? Mm-hmm. 
Can I don't he see get it. there? I don't. I, I I don't trust Mariota. I don't know. That's all the, right. Uh, so so I worry about. So we're gonna say Corey Davis is a mild like, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of other factors. Uh, let's go to one of the guys that you have liked his entire career, despite mm-hmm. his production, or at least in the first year. Mike Williams. Did you see what he did at the end of last season? I After, mean, ten uh, touchdowns <laughs> is a breakout. I mean, he pretty much broke out last year. Um, we need to see if he can do it consistently. And now that he's going to be a full-time guy in that offense, I really like him. I've I I I sold him in a number of leagues last year, uh, but I uh, the return I got was fairly good. It was one of those, and it's it seems like one of those things we need to do a show on, Coach, where uh, we talk about trading and how sometimes you got to give up those guys you like when the when the return is correct. But we'll th- talk about that another time. Uh, I was sad I once get- gave away a rookie Frank Gore. Uh, <laughs> one of those the, deals that haunts me to this day. The, the, are you going to tell us uh, who you got in return, or are you going to save that for another time? Oh, we'll save it for the next one. <laughs> Cliffhanger, I love it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I was sad to trade Mike Williams. I, I, I waited on him for a while, but I got a rare good deal that came my way, and I was in contention mode, and I could not pass up the return that was given to me at the time, so I traded him away. I am watching his career. I'm following his career with that, though, and I have him in a few other leagues as well uh, still, luckily, and I would be looking to acquire him uh, in any startups I'm in this year as well or any other leagues I go back to if the return is right, but I'm afraid the, the, the price on him is going to go up. Uh, I really like this kid. Um, he's got the size. He's got the pedigree. I like him. Um, the only thing that's really standing in his way to me is just all the guys in front of him. But if we're playing this as dynasty for the long term, love him, love him. And I think that he could. He may even start to show. So he may start to. We saw at the end of last year. I think he keeps that up. Yeah, well, I don't know if the touchdown numbers are going to be sustainable. He There's had, some regression that will have to happen. There. Yeah, last year, 54 catches, 759 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So I would expect to see maybe the touchdowns stay the same, but the catches and yards will go up. Um, he'll be the number two guy in that offense behind Keenan Allen now that Tyrell Williams has moved on. Um we know that that Phillip Rivers is always going to chuck it, and there's always going to be a few guys getting their balls. So... Um, I, I do like him as a breakout. I'm the same as you. He's got such immense talent. He kind of had that first red shirt year. You know, last year he proved it, um, and he's just going to keep going from there. Yeah, the only thing that's going to dampen my expectations on him a little bit and make him a true breakout will be, of course, Keenan Allen, but also Hunter Henry's back as well. That's so we have true. To keep, we have to keep that in mind. But uh, I still... I'm 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 a fan, and I don't now for him. I don't like him to break out to become a like a, a top twelve, a top fifteen wide receiver. But I think he I think he will start to become a contributor on fantasy if, squad sooner than later. If you go into this season targeting him to be your wide receiver two, I think you're going to be very happy. And who knows, his potential could put him into wide receiver one territory. Mm-hmm. All right, next up on Gina's list here, Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers. Nah, I don't feel this one. Uh, I know that part of this problem was uh, the Cam Newton shoulder problems last year, but uh, they've got DJ Moore there. Christian McCaffrey is almost like a, a wide receiver uh, in that offense. I don't, I don't feel him. I don't love him. I think he'll be okay, but I think he's more in that third, fourth tier, that wide receiver three, wide receiver four discussion. I don't know how like he'll he may improve on his numbers from last year but i don't know if it, if i can call him a breakout i i gotta agree with you there dj moore is going to be their number one wide receiver 
Um, as you said, uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to be their top pass catcher. So he's going to be, you know, fighting for scraps. And I like I like what he can do when he gets it. But I don't think there's going to be enough there that is going to warrant more than a spot start or maybe his upside is a wide receiver three. Yeah, he's deaf and he doesn't have that that upside. The thing about Mike Williams, Keenan Allen will eventually go. And you know Keenan Allen's going to get injured at some point. Uh, I, I like the upside opportunity for Mike Williams better than I like the upside opportunity for Curtis Samuel as well. Something else to consider. That's right. All right. Next guy coming off a knee injury but supposed to be healthy for the beginning of the season. Cooper Cup of the L.A. Rams. Hmm, this guy was a that. this guy was a fantasy darling for a for a little bit there before he got hurt. Again, the big touchdown numbers and more of a uh, in a football sense rather than a strategy or a fantasy sense. He was getting a lot of big big time catches, you know, third downs and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, that's the funny thing about Cup. I, will he be? Re- uh, it sounds like he'll be recovered from his ACL injury, but he's got to be right. Re- he'll have to be a little bit rusty. Uh, to start the season, I would imagine. And there's still so many miles to feed in that offense. Yes, I can see they maybe won't run the ball quite as much. Uh, they may rely on Jared Goff a little bit more, especially with the Todd Gurley knee issues, although they have the backups there as well. Uh, the I, I've never been a fan, but at the same time, I can't argue with his production. Uh, he had he he had great production year one. He had very good production year two. Uh, the question for me is just when will he be right? When's that knee going to let him do the things that Cooper Cup needs to do to be successful, uh, given his build and his game? And if we prorate his numbers from last year through through eight games, half a season, forty catches, five thousand yard receiver. Six, yeah, uh, he's he's an eleven hundred yard receiver with twelve touchdowns, which qualifies pretty much as a breakout. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if he can stay healthy now again, torn ACL, that's uh, not an easily predictable injury. You know, it's not like he's Fred Taylor here where you just know he's going to get dinged up with something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if he can stay healthy and he's there aren't too many mouths to feed because he's, you know, there's Robert Woods, there's um, uh, Brandon Cooks. I was going to say Sammy Watkins, but that was the year before. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they've got those guys. They've got whatever Todd Gurley is going to give. They've got um, whatever that other running back they drafted. You know, they're going to spread the ball around a bit. Yeah, I guess the concern I have with him is he's a slot receiver. His game is – and uh, watching him play – these built fairly on quicks, right? Like those those quick breaks. Typically, what you see out of a slot receiver, uh, at least the, the the profile of slot receiver that he is, and he needs that knee stability. Uh, and that's the thing about the ACL. Like, will will it affect his game? Will he? How much will he trust that knee as well in the beginning parts of the season? That's usually a they say nine to twelve month recovery, and that will put him right at the start of the season. So, I I like it. I don't I I, I don't see sixteen good games out of him. But I see maybe 12, 11, 12. And, that's, and if you can get him and sit on him while he works that knee out, yeah, I think he's, he's a back end of the season. He'll be a breakout on the back end of the season. All right. Next up on the list here, one of the preseason, pre-preseason fantasy darlings, Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With Deshaun Jackson going back to Philly, he slides into the number two spot beside Mike Evans. There's still O.J. Howard to factor in. There's kind of a jumble at running back, but people oh, – Adam, Adam Humphreys left as well. Sorry, that was the other name. So people are seeing a lot of receptions going out of this offense, and theoretically they got to land somewhere. And like I said, a lot of people are thinking Chris Godwin's going to be the guy to get them. What do you think? 
yeah, I and I, I, a lot of people are high on him. Uh, I'm just, and it depends on the quarterback situation, right? Uh, what's uh, as Jameis Winston goes, so will uh, so will Chris Godwin. Uh, obviously, getting rid of uh, having Jackson Humphreys gone, he's got to step up now. Mike Evans is obviously the guy there, uh, but if I look at his numbers. If I look at his numbers from last year, how much will he re- improve on 842 for seven? That's the thing. 59 catches, 842 yards, seven touchdowns. Will he improve on that enough to call him a breakout? And I just and I, and given how they played musical quarterbacks last year, how much do they trust Jameis Winston as well? That's the thing. That's the only thing I'm really worried about with Godwin is not necessarily him himself, but what's going and and he doesn't really have a lot pushing him, so he has oodles of opportunity but i'm just not sure what's going to happen on the quarterback side of things that's the only thing that really worries me and maybe i'm going for nothing well i mean i think we're going to see uh you know a lot more a lot more Jameis winston because ryan fitzpatrick isn't there anymore um i'm not even sure to him finally like if they like that's the thing they the knuckleheads need to commit and if they can yeah. commit to, to get letting Jameis Winston do his thing and he doesn't screw it up, then, yeah, I, I can see Mr. Godwin having himself a very nice year. All right, well, let me throw this in there. The backup quarterback would appear to be Blaine Gabbert. All so right, so they're definitely going to commit to him then because Blaine Gabbert is terrible. They're going to run him into the ground and find out if he's worth bringing back for the for, you know future years. So, yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. Chris Godwin, I think he could step up. I think he can be a 1,000-yard guy. I'm not sure if he's going to be enough to push him over into that, you know, must start wide receiver two territory, but he's definitely, definitely a guy you want in your depth and with upside. All right. Now another guy that uh, gets the fantasy people salivating, Kenny Galladay, who, um, whether you can believe it or not, is I believe now the number one wide receiver with the Detroit Lions. Mm. Now, he had a, a surprisingly good but quiet season last year. It's a very 70 quiet, catches, 1,000 yards. yards, five touchdowns. They got rid of Golden, they got rid of Golden Tate halfway through the season. Um, they've brought in some help around. I think Danny Amendola's there. But Ken Galladay, you know, he's he's got the size. He's got the look. He's 6'4", 213, according to Pro Football Reference. So he looks the part of that classic elite wide receiver one. Can he go to 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and break that double-digit touchdown mark? What do you think, Rusty? I don't know if I'd call him a breakout candidate because I wonder if he's already broken out. Uh, well, that is may, the question. He may have been is that, that, is, is that, that second-year breakout. You are seeing to see more of those second-year wide receiver breakouts as well. Obviously, the third year is still kind of the rule of thumb, but you some guys start to break out in that second year as well, not counting some of those anomalies who are amazing in the rookie year, obviously. Uh, but if I look at Kenny Galladay, he's got all the tools, and it was a question of the, li- the Lions have been not the greatest play callers in the world. I don't know. Or the greatest decision makers in the world in the past either. Uh, if that team can get its head out of its rear end, I think they have, uh, they should be featuring this guy a lot more. So can he put up, I think he can put up those wide receiver one numbers. Uh, Matt's uh, obviously Matt Stafford is maybe not the quarterback he used to be, but Kenny Galladay will not get dinged for interceptions. So I think they're going to be chucking the ball to him a lot. I like him. I think uh, how much can he improve on 10, on 10, 63 and five? I think he can. I'm just not sure he's a breakout candidate. I think he's going to do very well this year. He, uh, he may approach even wide receiver one territory, uh, but 
I that could do prove his numbers. I just don't know if like if we're gonna we will see a doubling or anything like that. So the question is, has he already broken out? And I think he already has. That's possible. And if you put stock in this, um, November of this year, he will turn 26, which is, um, you know, Kemp could be seen as a little bit old on the old side for that is a, old. you know, for a 30 year wide receiver. By comparison, Chris Godwin, um, you know, he's he's going to be 23 this season. So you're talking a you know a three year difference. Actually, yeah. sorry, he no, um, he might, yeah, he'll be 23. Yeah. I got to do my math here. By the way, just just for fun. Chris Godwin really needs to go by his given name, which is actually Rod Christopher Godwin. Oh, so Rod, Rod Godwin. I'm putting that guy in my fantasy league on my team just based on the name alone. Rod Godwin so Chris, just made the all change your name to Rod. Come on, Rod. It already is your name. It's got to use it. All right, back Duh. on topic. So Kenny Galladay, we're, we're liking, maybe not loving. All mm. right, another one. All right, this guy is definitely, I mean, he's on the list. But he's definitely more of a you know high risk, low reward kind of candidate. David Moore of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Seattle's kind of a mess at wide receiver, and we don't know how that's going to shake out. But he had a David Moore had a nice end of last season. Um, you know he's he is a younger guy. Uh, you know he had I think five touchdowns towards the end of the season, catching some passes, averaged a good seventeen yards. You know. In that mess of a wide receiver core post uh, post Doug Baldwin, uh, what do you think? Do you think he's got a chance to be to be a player? No. All right. <laughs> uh, run uh, not not the primary option on a run heavy team. I think that's my concern. In fact, I had to look this guy up. Uh, to remind myself of who exactly he was. Uh, looking at him, yes, he did come on late in the season, uh, but. Again, I don't think this team is built to support. Like, if they brought in the DK Metcalf, uh, and they who's got the better upside to me, plus you just look at draft pedigree as well. This guy was a seventh-round pick, so there's that as well. You got Tyler Locker, who's kind of the guy. But that team is not built to support a great number of wide receivers. And I don't even really sure how much I like Tyler Lockett. So I... I'm I, I I may be extremely wrong this guy, but I'm not going to take that chance. I'm not going to spend high draft capital. On him. I don't know how much he really improves on his numbers last year to be considered a breakout candidate. I can't say I disagree. I like I think he could be that guy who comes out of nowhere again. But uh, yeah, I I mean we we talked about the tragic passing of Jared Lorenzen at the top of the show. DK Metcalf is the polar opposite of Jared Lorenzen. That guy just looks carved out of marble by an ancient Roman sculptor. <laughs> uh, so he's going to he's going to step in. I don't he know slipped. how well he can slip in the draft though. That means I don't know how well he can run a route is the challenge, but they can throw the ball up there. Uh, Tyler Lockett's going to be your I think more of your possession guy, more the the trusted guy. Is there is there a role for David Moore? I I don't know either. So I I would definitely keep an eye on him, but leave him in the waiver pool and maybe come back to him later in the season. Mm. Especially if you know if a Lockett if Tyler Lockett gets hurt, um, you know spend some of your your free agent money and and bring him in. All right, we got one more serious name on the list here: D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who else is playing wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, where's the depth chart? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- things we didn't expect to be talking about. I mean, 
Well, we, we know Nick Foles is going to be playing quarterback there, so that might be an upgrade over Blake Bortles. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, if we look at their wide receiver, their pass catches from last year, D.D. Westbrook was top 66 for 717 and 5. Then there's the departed Dante Moncrief. Uh, Keelan Cole had a couple of good games and then disappeared. DJ Chark might be our guy we're talking about next year as a breakout candidate. They probably brought somebody in, but I have no idea. I mean, that's not a great-looking roster any any way you look at it. How much does he improve on 66, 7, 18, 5 on the, in this year? I'm not, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see him get it, being that much more better to say he broke out. Will there be some incremental increase? Yeah, but... Do, do I see him as an 800 yard guy? Yeah, which means he's not much better than last year. So I don't, and maybe this is the too many questions around the Jacksonville offense. And I don't know if I like his long term outlook either. Yeah, he seems like one of those guys. You know, he he's not an elite player. He's not somebody that they're super invested in. So when push comes to shove, you know, they'll be looking next year to draft a wide receiver to replace him. I I I'm not not sold on his uh, long-term potential when you're, when you're a fourth round guy and you get a chance to play and you play great, but uh, that can disappear pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. So we don't like Jacksonville is generally what we're saying. Yeah. All right. So one, one more name on the breakout list, John Ross think he's going to break out. Is he even in the league still? I have no idea. All right. On to the other now the other name that we're going to throw out there when we're talking breakouts. Now he's already clearly broken out, but we're asking now if he can go from like A to A plus to elite status, and that is the delightfully named Juju Smith Schuster. Juju. So, you know he's had he's had an amazing start to his career. You know playing having the opportunity to play alongside Antonio Brown in that high powered Pittsburgh offense. You know his first season. Very respectable, 58, 9, 17, and 7 for a, a rookie. That's Those are great numbers. Last year, he exploded 111, 14, 26, and 7. But he was playing number two to Antonio Brown, which means he was getting single coverage. He was not getting doubled. He wasn't having the safety cheating over the middle. Mm-hmm. That's going to change this year. So do you see, not just can he break out, do you see his numbers staying the same? No. I he he's not a breakout candidate because you cannot break out when your previous season was fourteen hundred twenty six yards. Uh, the other question for me is: I think he will be fine this year. I have him in some of my leagues. I'm going to protect him. I'm going to keep him and build around him. But the problem is, I just don't. I would not expect. I do not expect him to improve. It definitely not improved greatly. I'm not even 100% sure he's going to improve on his numbers from last year. Simply because he is now the guy. He is now going to get that top corner. He is now going to get that high-low coverage. He's going to get bracketed. He will look at doubled a lot more than he was. He will, he will probably be good enough to overcome that. Ben Roethlisberger loves to toss the ball. That is a very good offense. Uh, but the problem is how much of that was Antonio Brown gathering two and three guys covering him and leaving the field wide open for Mr. Smith Schuster. He will be fine. I just don't know if he will be 14, 26 and seven. Fine. All right. Well, let me ask you this 111 catches last year. Do you think he equals that this year? Or do we see that get spread out with Dante Moncrief with, uh, James Washington, who I loved when he played with Baker Mayfield. Um, 
That's Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. I think he will get... <laughs> There's also Deontay Johnson is another player that a lot of people like long-term potential. Can he be that? Can he be the juju? Or can he be the juju to juju's Antonio Brown? I could see him getting more catches, but maybe a little bit less yards. They'd have to be a little more creative with the type of routes they use him for. Um, I think maybe his yards per yards per reception, uh, yards per catch, maybe go down a little bit, uh, simply because he will get different types of coverage and won't be able to go over the top of anybody as easily this year. So uh, I could see some numbers go down, but maybe the number of catches go up because those those all those catches that Antonio Brown got, they got to go somewhere. And Smith Schuster will get a lot of those. So that's that's true. I and but honestly, I would not be surprised to see that reception total drop closer to a hundred or into the nineties. He'll still be an elite wide receiver. He'll still be at the top. But I could easily see dropping, you know, 10, 15, 20 receptions off that number just because he's gonna be double covered every play. Yeah, that's quite possible. Uh but the thing is if he's double covered that much, he yeah, that, that is quite possible. But at the same time, he is going. They, they Pittsburgh is pretty smart. They found ways to get Antonio Brown the ball before he came around. So I could see just they may scheme him differently, which may result in potentially more catches but less yards. But we will see what uh, how that shakes out. It, but it could go just as easily go the way you're talking as well. It depending if it turns out that he cannot handle those. Uh, the, he cannot handle wide receiver one attention, and we but don't know this, yet. Yeah. That's true, but I think the simple answer is we would both take him on our fantasy teams every single day of the week. Oh, absolutely. Especially Sundays. Especially. All right, so to wrap up this long question here, we're ambivalent on Corey Davis. We love Mike Williams. We are down on Curtis Samuel. We're okay on Cooper Cup as a depth guy. We're intrigued by Chris Godwin. We're wondering if Kenny Galladay might have peaked. David Moore is a sleeper at best. And D.D. Westbrook is a guy who maybe gets you some yards at the beginning of the season, but who knows what you get from there. And also, John Ross might not have a career. John Ross is terrible. Uh, I regret that draft pick. Sometimes you won't always hit out every draft pick, and John Ross is one of those guys that I did not hit on. All right, so... All right, I think we have time for one last question, Coach. We got one last question, so I'm going to reach into the mailbag here. And this comes from Pat in San Jose, California. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Pat, male, female listener? Can't tell. Hmm. Hi, Fantasy Domination Podcast. I was excited to discover your podcast on iTunes, as I am also a big fan of Fantasy Domination. Well, All Pat, right. thank you for listening. We thank appreciate somebody who you know amazing. likes the same things we like. Looking forward to listening to your first episode, but I wanted to get your opinion on the best brand of ball gag, something that's really good quality, but also quite large. Okay, so uh, what? Um, I think what we're going to start off by saying here is we are Fantasy Football Domination Podcast. I know it's not in the name, but it's kind of implied by the fact that all we do is talk about fantasy football. Now, I'm not going to kink shame, and if you want to ball gag, you ball gag all night long, but I have no opinion to give on this. Do you got an opinion there, Rusty? Any any you and any of your wives ever dabble in that stuff that you want to talk about on an all-ages podcast? Uh, I think uh, I, I, due to uh, currently ongoing litigation, I must refrain from commenting on that. Uh, Pat, uh, get some help. Yeah, try a different podcast. We are clearly not the right ones to help you out there. But keep anyway, listening. Keep listening I hope you like fantasy football. You can ask us all the questions you like about that, Pat, but uh, take that stuff to another podcast because we are not that kind of podcast here. 
My goodness. All right. But Pat, you know what? Right back once you find out an answer, because I got to admit, I'm kind of curious. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to close up the mailbag. We're going to thank Vinny, Candace, Stanislav, Gina, and Pat for their questions this week. If your question didn't get answered, it'll stay in the mailbag. But keep if you didn't send in a question, send it in. You can either tweet us at FD Podcast. You can mail us. Uh, or sorry, you know what? I think I just gave the wrong the wrong Twitter handle, didn't I? Yeah, we are at the FD Pod. Our website is fdpodcast.com. Or you can just send it to us by email at fantasydominationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, you send it in, we'll give you answers, and we'll help you win the championship. And you know why that is, Rusty? Uh, uh, why, why is that, Coach? I, 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 you sound, are you flustered from the ball gag question? I'm feeling a little choked up here. Huh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what I want to say, the correct answer is, because at the Fantasy Domination Podcast, we won't give you ball gag advice, but if you give us 30 minutes, we will give you a fantasy football championship. So, and ladies and gentlemen, that's all we're giving you. I'm the coach. Uh, this is this has been Rusty. We've had a great time answering your questions, and have a great and wonderful Fourth of July weekend. And we will talk to you very soon. You think you know a guy? Happy Fourth of July from the Fancy Domination Podcast. Oh, thank you.